I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. I spent eight years trying to reach him and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. It's only nine episodes, so it's pretty, pretty quick. Did you watch it in English? The dub is actually really good. The dub is actually really good. God damn it. What the fuck is wrong with y'all? They all wear masks, so it doesn't fucking matter. Wait, what? <laughs> I mean, they don't all wear masks, but the ones who wear masks, like, the dub's fine. It doesn't fucking matter anyway. Oh, man. I'm disappointed in y'all. Welcome to the Horrible Film School, a safe place to watch scary movies. I am Chris, joined today by the Horribles, Mr. Hootie. What's going on, fellas? Excited to be here. It is the season for scares, and today we're going back to the original scare. We're going to Haddonfield, baby. Also on the mic, we have the professor, the -the under-the-weather professor, Joseph. Happy Halloween, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I'll go ahead and apologize in advance. My throat is shot. So uh, be prepared to hear me sound pretty pretty pitiful the entire time. Joey, you have to lay off the satanic rituals you do in our, in our off-recording time. All that goat's Save blood. Save your voice. All that goat's blood, man. That shit. Tear your throat up. I'm thinking uh, like a masked man broke into the apartment and just lifted him up by his throat, and he narrowly escaped just in time for the podcast. Heavy spoilers ahead as we stalk 1978's Halloween. Today's lesson, if that cute guy won't take off his mask, assume he is packing about eight inches of cold stainless steel. As kids, we all love playing dress up at Halloween and running around to strangers' homes in order to get sugary treats. In the case of 1978 in Haddonfield, Illinois, the kids are going to get more than just a Hershey kiss. They will come face to face with the boogeyman himself. Not the one that lives under your bed or in your closet. Oh no. The one that lives down the street with the normal looking family. Let's get into the cast and the crew of Halloween. The writer and the, the director is John Carpenter, who, before everybody else says they what they have to say, did Escape from New York and They Live. Wow, that's really the only two you're going to credit him with? Wow. Joey, I left this open, so you can just go ahead and fanboy. Jerk off on the mic real quick. One of the greatest masters of the horror genre. Um, Halloween 1, The Fog, Escape from New York, The Thing. uh, My favorite horror film of all time, and probably one of my favorite films of all time. Uh, Christine, Big Trouble in Little China, They Live. Escape from L.A., Vampires. Everybody knows Vampires, the fucking Alec Love Baldwin. Love me some Baldwin and James Wood vehicle. Yes. As well I think as... that was uh, Daniel Baldwin. Dude, it's, it's one of them. It's one it of them. It was the chubbier yes. one. Yeah, yeah, the chub guy. As well as Ghost of Mars with uh, Ice Cube. I used yes, to love that movie. I remember that Here's one. the thing. Vampires and Ghost of Mars both are like pretty shit. I really enjoy watching those movies. Is he the best horror director we've ever had? Is that something we could say? I can't. I can't say that. You two can. You can't say that. Uh, Wes Craven is, is is my dude. Does he have as many hits though? Yeah, but he's a one trick pony. One trick pony. I don't know, man. Yeah, it's what, two pretty what big else franchises. But besides, like Nightmare of Elm Street, he Scream. Did Scream, Serpent in the Scream. Rainbow. Oh my God, Scream is garbage. People that, under the what? stairs. Fuck Scream. Scream has his fifth one coming out like this. Yeah, Scream's January. got one coming out. People can't let go of this fucking franchise. Yeah, man. but Chris, you know what? Fuck them. Stay in power, man. None of these fucking movies would exist today without John Carpenter. They live spawn Roddy, Roddy Piper into the cinema world, so that was very, very cool of John Carpenter. Seeing the potential in Roddy Piper. Oh, yeah, that's, that's what this is really about. The Rock needs to do a horror movie. 
Have you guys seen the trailer for the new Scream movie? Yeah, I think it just dropped like yesterday, right? I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I, I watched it. It's, I'm not sure how to feel about it. Is it a reboot? No, it's a continuation. Yeah, I think Nev oh, Campbell's God. in there, right? Still Sydney Prescott. Uh, Nev Campbell, David Arquette, and uh, the Cox, Courtney, Courtney Cox. Court's name. Laurie Strode, played by Jamie Lee Curtis, who we know from The Fog and True Lies, and a personal favorite of mine for the season after Halloween and Thanksgiving is Christmas with the Cranks. Ugh. Is that a Tim Allen joint? <laughs> that is a great Tim Allen joint and a great holiday film. What's up with Tim Allen and Christmas? Can he just let us have it? Jamie Lee Curtis, um, who do you mention? A few movies from her. I'm going to mention a few others that are personal favorites of mine. Um, Trading Places. That's one of my favorite. Dan Aykroyd, uh, Eddie Murphy films. Uh, my Girl. Talking about My Girl. Veda Saltonfuss. Uh, <laughs> uh, Halloween H2O, uh, the one that takes place underwater. Um, <laughs> Knives Out. <laughs> Knives Out. Uh, relatively recent movie, Daniel Craig, that's fucking fantastic. Um, she'll also be playing... The donut hole has a hole. <laughs> and she'll also be playing the role of Tannis in the upcoming Borderlands uh, film. Can we go ahead and take a second here to, to, to ask the question? And maybe I'm just a dumbass. Why was Halloween called Halloween H2O? Uh, like 20 years later. Yeah. Okay. Well, I like guess H, that makes sense. H then 2O, 20 years. Yeah. As a kid, I was, I guess, 9 or 10 when this was coming out. I remember everyone telling me as a 10-year-old boy that it would take place underwater. And I think I might have believed it for a little bit. Yeah, it was like for the longest time. We were fucking talking about that shit. How's it going to happen? How's it going to work? Oh, here's another fun little fact. A little fact about Jamie Lee Curtis. She's married to uh, Christopher Guest. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Christopher Guest, but he he plays parts in a lot of like parody type movies, uh, like Best in Show and This Is Spinal Tap. Spinal uh, Tap. Two of my like favorite movies of all time. Uh, that guy's so fucking funny. Well, I'm glad we got her husband in the podcast, Jordan. Yeah, yeah let's think make he, it about does, the man. He doesn't have horror films in, in his catalog. so I think he does a lot of the writing for those parody films, too. Mm-hmm. Funny guy. Oh, I get to talk about a parody film coming up. So. Turn it up to 11. Dr. Loomis, played by Donald Pleasance, who is in The Great Escape and You Only Live Once, a 007 vehicle. Next up, we have Annie, played by Nancy Keys, who is in The Fog and Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, Silver Shamrock, baby. Jesus Christ. Silver Shamrock. That movie, that movie, I hope we never get to it. I hope. Oh, baby. Two more years of counting it down right now. Before we get to Halloween 3. Happy, happy Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Happy, happy Halloween, Silver Shamrock. Next up, we have Linda, played by P.J. Souls. Titties. Who was in Carrie and Stripes. Stripes, Stripes is fantastic. Stripes is great. All right, Peter John Candy. Yeah. Well, him and Held Ramis, too. Ramis is dead, dead as well. Um, she was also in a few other like pretty cool movies. Uh, Jawbreaker. You remember Jawbreaker, guys? Oh, yeah. Wasn't that a Rose McGowan joint Rose McGowan's from the late 90s? Rose McGowan's ass. Holy shit. Is that a prison film? They were like, I think Rebecca Gayhart was in there, too. They like accidentally Rebecca killed Gayhart. their friend. Um, yeah. yeah. Something like that. She also One of those plays late a 90s in, teen uh, girl things. Yeah. Plays a role in like Devil's Rejects as well. Next up is Sheriff Brackett, played by Charles Cyphers, who was in Major League and The Fog. Seems to be a formula here. Yeah, I think these are these are definitely some uh, actors that that John Carpenter likes to use. He also played a part in uh, Death Wish Two, that Charles Bronson uh, franchise. Kind of reminded me of Charles Bronson. I guess it's like the look of like those Charles guys Bronson, in the late '70s with that. I don't know that kind of face. It's 
prominent. That matted down hair. Just a manly face. Just a man. Man through and through. Angry. A man you know drinks black coffee. Get this creamer shit out of here. Next up, we have Lindsay, played by Kylie Richards, who was in Watcher in the Woods and the Hung Over Games. Did you watch mm. that trailer I put up, Chris, of the Hung Over Games? Yeah, they look fucking awful. This shit looks so funny, man. You're crazy. I saw Jamie Kennedy there at the end. Uh, <laughs> the I don't know how I finished bear, the trailer at that point. The, the bear from Ted says... I'm not racist. I have eight black guys on my fantasy team. I think she's going to actually be uh, making an appearance in the Halloween Kills due out pretty soon. Well, a lot of the a lot of the actors they actually reprise the roles that we're we, we've been discussing in Halloween Kills. Uh, I know Brackett's in there, Linda's in there, uh, Marion who have we who haven't talked about yet. She's in there as well. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Tommy is too. Yeah, I think so. Those will not be talked about. I've, I've only got one credit left. Uh, <laughs> finally, last but not least, Michael Myers is played by Nick Castle, who was also in Escape from New York and Skate Town USA, which was Patrick Swayze's first film. Always comes back to the Swayze. R.I.P. Patrick. That's all I have if you guys... Have any other credits uh, you'd like to talk about? Not really. This movie actually is pretty straightforward with the amount of with the people that we've already talked about. I got one little bit of trivia here about an actor who spent a single day working on this project off camera. His only job was to sprinkle fake leaves on the ground and then pick them up. His name was Robert England. Oh, that is awesome. The budget of Halloween was a meager three hundred and twenty-five thousand, and it made forty-seven million worldwide. Bananas! Most successful film of all time up until The Blair Witch. The highest-paid actor in the entire movie, Donald Pleasance, only took home like twenty grand. Nick Castle, who again played Michael Myers, was the former roommate at USC with John Carpenter. And he was paid only $25 a day for playing the role. Did he play the character outside of this movie as well? Like like in Halloween 2 or any of the, any of the sequels? I know they used him in the uh, 2018 Halloween. I think it was oh, more really? for just like nostalgic value. Mm. I don't think he did all the stunts and the chase sequences and all that good stuff. Well, he's like 80 now. I hope he didn't. Jesus. But yeah, I don't believe he actually took up the mantle again after this, until then. This was Jamie Lee Curtis's first feature film. She was paid a reported $8,000 for her efforts. Yeah, we can definitely tell it about her acting in this movie. Well, she got this job because of who her mom is, right? Yeah. Janet Lee from Psycho. The story of Halloween is based on an experience John Carpenter had in college touring a psychiatric hospital, which sounds like a great field trip. Carpenter met a child who stared at him with a look of evil, and it terrified him. Was he kicking this kid's ass in, like, Connect Four or something, and the kid's tearing back at him? Like, Just, if you beat me again, I might have to kill you. Two masks were tested during the production of this film. The first was a smiling clown mask with frizzy red hair. They tested it out, and it appeared very demented and creepy. The other mask was a 1975 Captain James T. Kirk mask that was purchased for around a dollar. It had the eyebrows and sideburn ripped off. The face was painted fish belly white, and the hair was spray-painted brown, and the eyes were opened up. They tested out the Kirk mask, and the crew decided that it was more creepy because it was emotionless. I've actually seen pictures of the uh, clown mask that Hootie's referring to. They used this mask in The Dark Knight. That's the Joker's mask from the bank heist. Oh, Oh, that's cool. Same exact mask. As has been noted, the killer is referred to as the shape in the script and credits for this film. The word shape was used by the Salem Witch Trial judges to describe specters or spirits of the accused doing mischief or harming another person. 
So they weren't looked at as real people. They were evil spirits come to flesh. Bunch of hot women out there running around worshiping the devil. I'm in love with the shape of you. That's exactly what Ed Sheeran's thinking about. <laughs> I, I hope that's in Halloween Kills. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, Roger Ebert. Let's give his review. He said Halloween is an absolutely merciless thriller, a movie so violent and scary that, yes, I would compare it to Psycho. Nice. That's, that's the ultimate praise. That's speaking very, very highly. And with that, fellow professors, let's get in. Halloween, 1978. Dum, dum. Fucking music, man. Gets me hype. Now I know what you work out to in the gym. Fucking Halloween Michael Myers mixtape. Fuck yes. <laughs> the film opens up into credits, and the classic Halloween theme music is played. We also learn that the film is set in Haddonfield, Illinois. A POV shot shows Michael grab a kitchen knife in his childhood home and put on a clown mask. We'll see this throughout the movie, um, the whole POV shot from Michael's perspective. Um, it really like, adds to the voyeuristic nature that Michael has. It's so creepy seeing him like you know stalk around and and creep in on his sister like that, you know. And the breathing man just. Darth Vader. And on top of that, during this uh, this one shotter that they do walking through the house, which is awesome, the boyfriend walks upstairs. And has ejaculated and is already coming downstairs within 60 seconds. Well, he's I thought dude. that was quick when I watched it. He nutted and fucking, he, he a, nutted and got on. dressed in under like, ni- I think it's under 90 seconds. In the, oh yeah, in he stuck it through the hole in the boxers and everything. Maybe it was like an American Pie situation where he didn't even make it out of the pants. Then he got embarrassed. Call me. Oh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> Bye. Yeah, I bet you want to call back after that great dick you just got. Michael then goes upstairs and kills his naked sister just as the parents come home to see the bloody blade. His mom's standing there with her hands in her pockets like, what did you do to this time, you little shit? <laughs> like that, pull, that pull away scene where the camera's like pulling back. They're the all just sitting shot. there motionless. So strange. Yeah, like you walk up on your, say, 10-year-old son holding a, a gigantic bloody knife, and you just say, Michael? Just stared at his ass for like 30 seconds without Literally whipping his ass or tackling him to the ground. I mean, the blade's covered in blood. You can see it. Like They're not really worried to go check and see if he at least stabbed the dog. At and least. That, at the very least. At the very least. That sister was uh, not in high school. Uh, according to her headstone later on in the movie, she's less than 16. She's <laughs> Jesus. like a month away from being 16. Something in the uh, chicken in uh, Haddonfield. And that is some good research right there. Hey, you know Got to chill from that one. So time shifts to October 30th, 1978. As Dr. Loomis and a nurse make their way to the mental institution that houses the now adult Michael Myers. As they approach the facility, they see that the patients have escaped. Michael attacks the nurse and steals the car. How unsettling is it to see like a field filled with like mental patients? Not, they're not even running around. They're like moseying just doing like cryptic walking and shit you know just babbling of themselves in the rain in the dark that's gotta be terrifying what happened to films based around like mental institutions well I think it's one of those things like there's like a stigma behind uh, uh, just putting the mental mental patients out yeah considering they'd be evil or different than us or not even us, different than normal people. This whole movie's about a fucked up person with mental issues. Yeah, I know, man, but it's not that doesn't fly in a PC world. We have to okay, appreciate, God. we have to empathize with Michael Myers, which is ironic because John Carpenter said in creating this character, the only note he gave himself was to make him completely unrelatable. 
The next day, back in Haddonfield, Laurie is making her way to school on Halloween and is greeted by a neighborhood boy named Tommy. Tommy. I don't know what it is. Every time I see someone walking down a sidewalk in a neighborhood, it reminds me of this movie. There's so much time spent on those sidewalks. It, it reminds you of Tommy? It reminds me. I'm just waiting on some little kid with a bowl cut to run up to me and start talking about, we're going to make jack-o'-lanterns, right? Yeah, buddy. Lori has to drop off a key at the Myers house for her father before going to school. When she drops it off, Michael Myers is there and begins to follow young Lori and Tommy on their way to school. So explain why he was in his childhood home. He just went there because he knew it, I guess. Oh, who says you can't go home? There's only two places he's been his entire life, and that's like the mental institution and his home. So if you leave your mental institution, I guess, you know, go home. How the fuck does he know how to drive? Dr. Loomis talks about that later in the movie. Maybe someone around here gave him lessons. That's kind of a shoe-in. Who the <laughs> fuck is going to teach a mental patient how to drive? There's an aura of mystery about the guy. That was a great line. Is he... Of like all the big slasher, iconic, these types of guys that we all know of. Is he the only one that can drive? I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I don't want to have an awkward pause in the podcast, but I think you are correct. We, we know Jason. Nope. Well, no, yeah, you're right. I was about to say the Jeepers Creepers guy, but he is not on that same pedestal. <laughs> yeah, nobody gives a shit about that guy. Uh, nobody remembers his damn day. We, we, know, <laughs> we know Jason can drive a machete through somebody's sternum. Hold on, wait. Chucky can drive. Chucky don't fucking count. Chucky can drive. He used the dude's dead foot. Well, damn, he can drive really good then. He's using somebody else's body parts. <laughs> I don't think he is anatomically able to drive a car. He he has the knowledge, I'll give you that. But I don't think he could physically do it with his three-foot body. Like they make contraptions for little people who drive cars. It's rude. Here we go. Peace I know Warwick Davis back. drives a fucking car, and he's probably smaller. Than oh, drives the shit out there, fucking Rolls Royce. Say yeah. Say Leprechaun can't drive. Go ahead and say. Go ahead and say Leprechaun can't drive, bitch. Loomis is making his way to Haddonfield and is calling everyone he can to stop Michael. He finds an abandoned mechanic's truck on the side of the road that Michael left in his path, and that he stripped the dead body of its clothes. This whole scene right here. Jaws, obviously, you came after this movie, right? Jaws was 76. It's two years before. Okay. The scene where the girl, like, it shows the girl being eaten up by, like, crabs and shit after she washes up on the shore. I feel like this scene's kind of an homage to that, how 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 that was shot kind of to the side, off the camera. Oh, you mean how it, like, pans to the body for a split second? Yeah, with the man's dead body, yeah, yeah. Laurie is making her way home with two of her friends, Linda and Annie, when she sees Michael drive by like a creeper, and then he speeds off. Annie tells them that she hates a guy with a car and no sense of humor. <laughs> Classic 70s banter. It's funny because the, the girl, I can't remember her name, that worked with uh, John Carpenter on the movie. Um, Deborah Hill. She Deborah Hill. She wrote the dialogue for a lot of the, uh, for a lot of the banter back and forth between the girls, and it. I guess it flows well, but it still sounds so fucking weird. Some of the things they say. Laurie sees Michael just before he ducks behind a bush and then disappears. She then goes into her house and sees Michael between the clotheslines in the back in in her backyard. To then, you guessed it, disappear. That's a super menacing shot, man. That's super creepy. But she doesn't uh, doesn't really like acknowledge it. She's just like, "Oh shit, let me go. Ta- let me lay down and take a nap." I don't fucking think so. And the weird thing is, she doesn't really tell anybody. I don't know. I feel like you would have told somebody. Well, she pointed it out to Annie before he uh, ducked behind that bush. Larry hops in a car with Annie on their way to a long night of babysitting on Halloween. Meanwhile, Loomis checks out the Meyer family cemetery plot to find the tombstone is gone for his sister, Judith Myers. Damn kids, I'll do anything for Halloween. 
in this scene, the grave, the gravekeeper or caretaker of the grave gravesite, he's telling a story about this dad who who has a hacksaw and kisses his wife and two kids goodbye. And then before he can continue with the story, Loomis interrupts. I'm like, come on, yeah. man. I was trying to hear what the fuck happened, bro. <laughs> yeah, I think he hits him with it. And then he proceeded to. Which way, is, which way is the fucking grave, you moron? The dude had a cool voice, the old uh, caretaker yeah. guy. As Laurie and Annie smoke some dope on the way to babysitting, they stop by the local hardware store where Sheriff Brackett is investigating a break, a break-in where Halloween masks and knives were stolen. Yeah, fucking Halloween mask is stocked right, stocked right beside our knives. Our fucking rope. We have mask, knives, rope, milk, whatever you need. Like a hardware store? Is that what it was? I think it was more like a general store, but they did. I think they called it a, a, a hardware store. They called it a hardware store, yeah. So if you shoot this today, obviously he's stealing this shit from a Walmart, right? He's stealing from like Lowe's. Has to Lowe's be. Because fucking Lowe's does not sell Halloween masks. They don't? They got know. Halloween like... I had like, to fucking shit, do they? that shit. <laughs> Brackett's actually Annie's dad as well. They also don't sell kitchen knives, so I think both of those you cannot find at a fucking Lowe's or a Home Depot. I'm thinking Walmart's the only place you can get the combination. Maybe like a Target, but if you steal shit from a Target, you're going to get caught. Somebody done broke into the damn super center. <laughs> Michael Myers tells the girls on the way to the destination in his government car and man, is he super close in his tailing. Yeah. At one point, it, uh, they do like a wide shot, and they let you like see him. I'm like, ah, I think he got a little too fucking close in this shot, because she gives like a turn signal, and he almost like rear ends her. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> That's the end of the fucking movie. <laughs> well, he's still learning how to drive. You know, Give Mike a little, little time. You glossed over one of the cool shots of the movie where Loomis comes to the hardware store and you get the car over his right shoulder and as he turns his head, the car passes right behind. That was some, a very good shot. Some solid Donald Pleasance acting. Loomis and Sheriff Brackett check out the Myers house to find a freshly killed dog. So I guess Michael finally did get that dog. He got hungry. That dude says it could have been a skunk. Does skunk kill dogs and shit and eat them? I ain't never fuck with a skunk, oh, but I'd like, to, I'd like to see it. I mean, no, no, <laughs> I don't want an animal to get hurt. Skunk can kill a dog. But I'm just fucking curious how this would work. The two go upstairs, and Loomis delivers a great piece of monologue about the origin of his prognosis of Michael Myers after 15 years of observing him. Yeah, Dr. Loomis... Um Donald Pleasance really carries this movie in terms of um, being being the one who, who fills us in uh, on Michael's backstory. Um, very, very well, well acted. Funny enough, this role was actually offered to Christopher Lee, um, and he turned it down. And uh, Christopher Lee is quoted as saying it was the biggest mistake of his acting career. I think he turned it down due to the fact that he only got paid twenty grand to do the film. Yeah, it was all money. There's also in this scene where we see uh we see Donald Pleasance pull out a gun. Which I never really understood because I've seen this movie a lot as a kid, obviously. Why that was such a big deal. But now as an adult I can see this dude is a fucking doctor. And he has a gun chasing down his patient. I don't know, I'm just talking about he says like I got a permit. <laughs> he pulls out his fucking permit. <laughs> Yeah, I have a permit, don't worry. But the point is, you're a doctor. You take a single oath to never cause harm to anybody. You walk around with a fucking gun, looking for a mental patient. This dude is fucking obsessed. He knows what Michael Myers is. Why is... Another thing here. Why the fuck is he so convinced that this kid is pure evil? Just from the look in his eyes? He's never done anything wrong since then. Well, he, he, he does say I spent eight years trying to reach him, and then another seven trying to keep him locked up. Exactly. Because what the fuck happened right there in the middle? He just said, this motherfucker is unreachable. I want to rip your fucking balls off. Here's the funny part oh, about fuck. you talking about. All right. You want to see what happens. <laughs> the the made-for-TV uh, Halloween, he actually, um, John Carpenter actually went back and reshot 
uh, 12 additional minutes for the film to, to make it long enough to fill up a two-hour block. Um, and they actually fleshed out the story of um, Loomis and Michael like actually together uh, when he was younger. In the psych ward? Yeah. I mean, you can go check well, those, your answer. those scenes that out. That might be worth think, a YouTube. Yeah, apparently they don't add too much to it, but it gives it sheds more light on their relationship and why he, he's convinced that Michael needs to be locked away or, or killed. Because these two never really share a scene until the last 10 seconds of the movie. Whatever it was, boy, was it impactful. I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying it's an interesting thing to be left open-ended. Like, what the fuck did this guy put in your head to make you think this vile of him? Laurie is babysitting Tommy when she gets a call from Annie, who is babysitting a girl named Lindsay. Something outside is making Lindsay's gorgeous German Shepherd go crazy. Oh, boy. That's a damn good-looking dog. It's not. It's probably all the damn butter he's smelling because this girl is buttering popcorn for about 30 minutes. And she is doing a fantastic job. So, Eddie spills what I'm assuming is water from what I saw on herself and and has to completely disrobe and only get into a t-shirt while the family dog is being fucking murdered outside by Michael Myers. Dog, this look right here. I don't know what it is about it, like her hair and that shirt and the knee socks. Can you explain to me why she took all her clothes off, though? Yeah, she got for the audience. over herself, man. For the audience. Okay, I'm glad that she knew the audience was watching. That's good. <laughs> I'm just saying, man, that's one, of those, that's one of those looks for me. It's like a top five look. Now I know what goes on at your house, Chris. Happy Halloween, girl. Annie calls her boyfriend, Paul, for a late night meetup. She leaves with Lindsay to the house across the street to meet up with Laurie and Tommy. Annie leaves Laurie with the two kids as she goes to get the car in order to meet up with her boyfriend. Paul. Oh, Paul's calling. When Annie gets in the car, she sees that the windows are fogged up and then Michael Myers grabs her by the throat and kills her and there is no blood in this scene. That's what we see throughout this entire movie. Like, there's there's no blood at all. There's not the first drop of blood in this entire movie. Malcolm Myers slits this lady's throat, yeah. and there's no blood, no blood anywhere in the car. Exactly, man. It's all about the power of the image, what it can convey. How do you know he slit her throat? You felt that he did. That's The, the weird-ass angle that he cut her, I don't think he did slit her throat. So they didn't show you, but you interpreted it that way. That's how you know it's good art, man. They tricked you. But anyway, the way he pops up out of the back seat of this fucking car is like one of the best fucking laugh tracks. If you can watch this with no audio, you will laugh your ass off. Because it's obviously a man just laying down and then going. (laughs) It's just funny to imagine someone doing that. Uh, Good old Nick Castle for giving that great acting behind that mask. Well, we're like halfway through the movie now. And the score hasn't really stopped the whole time. How do you guys feel about that? I'm not a huge score guy. I know that you are, and I think Joey is. I don't recognize the score that much. I honestly didn't realize it was playing the entire time. Most, well, I wouldn't say the entire time, but... This would be an entirely different movie without the score. Oh, yeah. Uh, I actually have a note here that they showed this to one of the producers of the film, and they said, this isn't scary. No one's going to be affected by this, because it hadn't been scored yet. And then Carpenter scores the whole thing in like three days by himself. And they show it to him. They're like, this is the scariest shit I've ever seen. Yeah, I think his I think his work as a composer rivals that of his work as a director, 100%. Oh, yeah. This is top five movie scores of any genre. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. Tommy sees Michael carry Annie's lifeless body into the house. And he freaks out, as you would. Laurie doesn't believe him and tells him to cut it out. Just cut it out. She's so polite, scolding these children. Do as I say, cut it out. Linda and her boyfriend arrive in a sweet two-tone blue van at the house Annie is babysitting to find that Annie and Lindsay are nowhere to be seen. So Linda calls Laurie 
to see what's up, and she tells her that Annie left hours ago and that she can watch Lindsay for the night. Well, boys, Linda and her boyfriend are given the green light to go at it upstairs in the bedroom. They have a... A very short sex uh, sex session. So I guess John Carpenter, I don't know what he's trying to convey, but there's a lot of short sex going on in this they, film. They bust really quick nuts in this movie. Um, if we were still doing our trope, uh, our trope bit, this movie, it gave birth to the idea of tropes in horror films, I believe, because you see it so much throughout the movie. And, and the whole... Sex gets you killed in a horror movie. This is a, a prime example. So to that point, John Carpenter was asked about that and how he created the sex trope. He said that was not intentional, but it was the only way to get the character of Laurie by herself. Because she wouldn't have like a guy attached to her. Right, and she was not worried about having sex with someone or being with someone. She was just like living her life. So her superpower was her celibacy. Indirectly. Indirectly, yeah. That or wasn't, Hyman that wasn't was her superpower. It's funny in this same, in this sex sequence here, there's a full-blown jack-o'-lantern on the nightstand. Full-blown. Yeah, it's glowing and everything. I was like, Is that a common thing fuck? during Halloween for people to have them inside their homes? Lit and everything. Who the hell put that there and lit it? You got an open they... fucking fire. I'm going to kick that shit off the next <laughs> It's probably fucking timey. Can we carve a jack-o'-lantern? So these two get to get through having sex, and her boyfriend goes downstairs for a beer, as we all, you know, you would. Uh, well, Michael Myers greets him by nailing his ass to the wall with his trusty kitchen knife. And then he stares at his lifeless body. This is like where it is established that Michael Myers has almost like otherworldly strength. Because he picks him up like with one hand against his throat and pushes him up the wall. And is able to pin his ass to the wall with a knife. And, and for that knife to bear his weight, it's, it's pushed so deep into the wood. Um... The guy dies really quick, too. It's like he almost like severed his spinal cord or something crazy when he did it. So, yeah, it's, it's established, establishes Michael as a truly strong individual. Almost superhuman. Well, he obviously went to the gym at the psychiatric ward. We can attest to that here. Maybe that's what happened. Loomis saw him doing like fucking 1,200-pound fucking deadlifts. Him and Roddy Roddy Piper were just going at it, and Mike was always the stronger <laughs> of the two. So he knew. He knew what was coming. Nobody's stronger than the fucking hot rod. And did you notice, like, I don't know if you noticed at this point, you've heard a few stabs in the movie, how good the stabbing sounds. Like it actually sounds oh, yeah. like it's somebody piercing flesh. So I did some research into that, and apparently the audio is uh, stabbing a watermelon. It's got like a good... Because <laughs> it catches the blade, but it gives you just enough puncture so any amateur filmmakers out there just go stab you some cantaloupes and record that for your effects michael goes upstairs in the classic ghost bed sheet outfit linda dumps out her boobs for him he doesn't care for them and chokes her ass out with a phone cord and she's like do you do you like what you see and he's just hell yeah <laughs> as i grew to immaturity as one does as a teenager watching the sequence I always thought it'd be funny if, like, the ghost, you saw, like, a boner push the sheet up a little bit. Laurie realizes something is wrong at the house across the street. She leaves the kids alone in order to go check it out. Okay, here's another question. As far as Michael's, Michael's intention to this point. He stalked Laurie this whole time, but he didn't go after her. Was she ever really his target? I don't think he has a target because he, he was outside the school... Well, I guess Annie was in the classroom with her. But but then he fucks with Tommy and his pumpkin while the boys, like, fuck him up over his pumpkin. Well, I think it's because the first people he actually sees, you know, near his home are are the characters of Lori and Tommy when she goes to deliver the key. Um, and I think he actually sees Lori as um, kind of like his sister. Um 
we'll see in Halloween 2. That's more oh, literal boy. than anything else. But in this movie, I think he just relates to her. Whatever the and, then it's, and then it's, he I'm sees these people. You if you don't know. He, he sees these people hanging out with Lori, and they all become, you know, not really his targets, but just casualties up until the, to the point that he can actually get his hands on Lori. Right. I mean, the original title of the, the script, I think, was called The Babysitter Murders or something like yeah. that. So I understand, like, he's stalking the babysitters because they remind him of his sister, who did a shitty job of babysitting him. She was making uh, 30 seconds worth of love while she was supposed to be watching him on Halloween night. I get the psychology there, but him not going after her. I'm just curious if he has a better take on why that didn't happen. Isn't it ironic that the guy who had sex with his sister lived? Who the hell had sex with his sister? Who was fucking his sister? Oh, the boyfriend. The guy, the oh. boyfriend, the beginning <laughs> of the movie. That dude yeah, lived. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. He, I th- that dude's still alive. He's still out there right now. Right there. He's pleasuring somebody for 10 seconds. Unlike Bob, he didn't linger, man. I ain't getting you a fucking beer. I'm going home. <laughs> all right, I, I guess that's all we got here. I mean, I get he kind of, he sets a stage because of like, the way the bodies become presented. That is for Lori. It's like a gift to her in a way. And what kind of weird psychological shit he's got going on. I don't have a take. I'm not a huge Michael Myers fan like you two are. Uh, and apparently, I really need to see Halloween 2. So, let's see what happens there. Do you like really Ashley, not know the relationship Ashley there? I like Halloween 2 no. better than no. Halloween 1. Okay. Meanwhile, Loomis discovers the government car parked down the street from the Myers family house and realizes that Michael is close. It's pretty funny because he's been standing there at the fucking house the entire time. <laughs> and it's like three hours later he realizes, he, lo- he looks to his left one time and realizes, oh shit, the car's there. The car that he stole at the beginning of the movie is here. In his defense, he's not a cop, he's a doctor. Give him yeah, a break. Yeah, but he's got I'm fucking eyes, dude. God. This car has been driving behind him the entire movie, like just out of his view. And he's like a fucking cartoon character. But this, the best part of that exchange of him waiting outside the Myers home is when the other kids come up there, like Halloween night, they're going to knock and they're going to run or whatever. And the little kid goes up to the fucking stairs and he does the whisper. Lonnie, get your ass away from there. <laughs> he just goes sprinting. And then it cuts to Loomis and he's just the happiest he's ever, he ever is in the whole fucking movie. I fucking love my life. Bracket fucking sneaks up on him and scares the shit out of him. Bracket scares like everybody in this movie. Yeah, like he un- like he intentionally like shoulder checks Lori walking down the sidewalk. When any decent person would have been like, hey, before she ran into him, he's like, what's up? What are you doing? What you trying to do? You smoking the weed? Lori <laughs> is going through the house and she makes her way to the upstairs bedroom to find Annie laid across the bed with the Judith Myers tombstone above her head. This thing looks fucking heavy. Yeah. Again, superpowers on this guy. It's good imagery, too. I've always been a fan of this. Yeah. Of at least Annie's staging. The other two, not so much. The cinematography of the movie is fantastic, and this is just another great, great scene. This is probably going to be pretty funny to you guys. Joey talked about the glowing jack-o'-lantern inside the bedroom earlier. It's also in this scene. I thought Michael Myers put it in there, in that bedroom, <laughs> when he put the tombstone in there. <laughs> yeah, it was in there when they were fucking. Michael being festive. I've heard of people who like to fuck by candlelight. Uh, not many people talk about fucking by a jack-o'-lantern light. By pumpkin light? Pumpkin light. People are all about pumpkin spice, man. Put a little, put a little pumpkin light in your life. Sounds like you I can resurrect pumpkin head doing shit like that. <laughs> Tis the season. Hasn't seen Halloween 2, but has seen fucking pumpkin head. I love pumpkin head. She then finds the boyfriend's dead body swinging in the closet and Linda's dead body crammed in a dumbwaiter. Michael appears out of the darkness and stabs Lori's arm. She falls forward over the stairway and to the floor. Another great scene here with the dimmer coming to light on the mask in the dark. You get the little piercing. Ta-da! Before he comes out with the sloppiest fucking stab he has in the whole movie. He got too excited. He was like, oh, shit! <laughs> he was having flashbacks to uh, that guy with his sister. He was like, I'm going to blow too quick. I got to get it. 
<laughs> this is the money shot. Michael chases Lori out into the street as she goes back to get Tommy and Lindsay. Thank God she's finally thinking about these children. Tommy finally lets her inside after she earns the Scream Queen title to find Michael has already entered through the open side door. The keys. The keys. I like that part. It always makes me chuckle. Michael tries to stab Laurie again, and again, he gets a little excited. So instead, Laurie stabs him in the neck with a crochet needle. Fucks him up. Yeah, she stabs the That's fuck out of him, That's a big-ass crochet dude. needle, too. That shit goes, like, three or four inches in his neck. She penetrates this dude a few times. Laurie then runs upstairs to get the kids, but Michael is back up and back to hunting. Why did she drop the knife? She gets the knife after the closet scene. No, no, she has it in this scene, too. Because the knife is stuck in the couch. She pulls it out of the couch and looks over the edge of the couch and sees Michael, like, on the ground. She literally drops the knife on the floor right there. Laurie hides in a closet and is forced to stab Michael in the eye with a clothes hanger and then stabs him in the stomach with his own knife after he breaks into the closet after her. Gotta have them wire hangers, man. Metal wire hanger. But yeah, the closet scene. The closet scene's fucking great. Laurie sends the kids for help as Michael rises up Kane style, and yes, WWE Kane style. Okay. To continue his rampage towards Laurie. What do you One of those things preceded the other hootie. I'm I understand. say Kane rose up Michael Myers style. That 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 was the uh Beginning of how the wrestler Kane got his attribute of rising from the mat. This is one of the best uh, shots in the movie, too, because she's in the foreground. And you have, like, the blurred background, him popping up, and then it's dead silent. There's no musical cue, and he just turns his head to her. The movie has so many shots like this, man, that are just, like, great. It's super creepy how he rises because his lower part of his body doesn't move. So he's like yeah. a dead body rising back to life. His movements are very like very robotic throughout the entire movie. Like he, he moves his arms that move when he walk. Oh, when he's stabbing through the closet, it's like a sockum a rock'em sockum robot. Yeah. Just wham, 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 wham. Yeah. <laughs> I think John Carpenter said he wanted Nick to don the mask because specifically for the way he walked, because he was a tall guy and especially he had a, a just a weird walk about him. Loomis shows up with his trusty six-shooter that all doctors should carry, apparently. I got your Vicodin. And unloads the gun into Michael, which sends him over the upstairs balcony and to the ground. He walks over to see the dead body. However, Michael is gone. Ta-da. Here's the sad part about that, Hootie. If only it was a six-shot gun. It was only five shots. Had it been six, maybe he would actually kill the guy. How about that? Uh, going back to the independent roots of the film here, if you notice, I'm sure you did. When he's firing those shots, the uh, the Michael Myers character is not being hit by anything at all. Mm. He's just reacting. Finally, the film ends with heavy breathing inside a mask and the realization that Michael Myers is still out there on a murderous rampage and thus dawns a franchise. You cannot kill the boogeyman. He's everywhere. Shows you all these locations where you've seen him. You got the breath overlaying. Just showing you that he's always everywhere. He always will be. He the boogeyman. And with that, fellas, 1978's Halloween, what piece of memorabilia would you want? I feel like it's between the knife uh, and the mask. However, I'm going to throw a curveball. Um, give me the Judith Myers tombstone. Um, it'd be Halloween every day in my bedroom. If the headstones are rocking, don't come a knocking. I don't know. You going to put it in the bed with you? Oh, that's going to be exactly how it is in the movie. It's going to be above your head. You're it's sleeping like a with a two ton cemetery above It's like a headboard. <laughs> Just hope there's not like a minor earthquake or anything and that thing tips forward because you'd be done. It's a good choice, but I think it's it's the mask. It's maybe the most iconic mask in any horror film. So 
Give me the original. Give me the Shatner. I don't want any other iteration of this mask. This is the best. Give me this one. You see, here's how I'm looking at it. There's like 14 Halloween movies. Eventually, I'm going to take the mask. Ah, okay. You're fucking cheating. You're playing the long game here. That's actually a good point. I did not think about the long game. I also picked the mask. I, I, I want that painted white William Shatner mask. I mean, this is the best version of the mask. So you can have, like, that shitty uh, H2O mask. Yeah. The, the creepy well, Ooh, the water tank mask. I've actually looked at a picture of, like, all the masks. It's either it's either Halloween 1 or Halloween 2. They kind of go downhill from there. Do they get more grimy or gringy? <sighs> they or? just get more modern looking. They, they look Summer Do they clean, stop being man. a William Shatner? They just look, like Chris said, too too clean. And then some are too dirty, like those Rob like Zombie. Like the ones for Rob Zombie, they look fucking stupid. I mean, They look like Rob something Zombie you get at Hot Topic. Fucking Rob Zombie, yeah. So some of them are like crystal clean white? Yeah. Interesting. Let's get into Rotten Tomatoes fan reviews. I got two this week for you fellas. First up is by Blaze T. Hell of a name. Cheesy, dumb, and often boring, Halloween started every bad horror movie cliche that we all know and hate. One star. My man. Jesus. <laughs> Fucking blaze. But to his point, we actually go, what is it, an hour into the movie before anybody gets killed after the initial kill? I like. I mean, I like the build up. I like the, I like the suspense, but what he's saying is, you know, for the most part, the movie's kind of boring. I'm a I don't agree with guy. him, but I can see him saying that. Yeah, he's full of shit. He he proved himself wrong when he said this started all the cliches. There's a reason all those things were copied for perpetuity. And the second one for this week is from Mike D. Mike Diamond. The movie can be a bit boring, but once Michael Myers starts doing his thing, the movie becomes very thrilling. Four stars. It's just really hard to get bored in a 90-minute movie. I'm sorry. I got no I got no patience for people who don't have that kind of patience. I can just see this guy talking about this review. Once he starts doing his thing, man, that damn movie pops off. Slash, gash, cut another hole in your ass. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fellas, let's wrap up Halloween. I know we have a lot more coming up in the years to come. Some good, some definitely bad. Looking at you, Halloween 3. So with that, Joey, what did you think? Of the first Halloween. My first and easiest A grade um, to give out on the show. John Carpenter is a master of horror. And this movie is rightfully considered his crown jewel. The definition of a horror classic. The only negatives I can find are this. Some of the acting is pretty bad. Especially the character of Annie. Um, I hate this dog. Jamie Lee Curtis is passable. But even she felt she wasn't at her best in this film. Also, due to budget constraints, there are some reused sound effects. Those are the only two points I see as negatives. The movie feels like an art film disguised as as a slasher. Simplistic, yet beautiful. Um, The shape is such a menacing figure compared to that of two of his horror icon brethren, Freddy and Jason. Jason punches a guy's head off. Freddy literally turns a girl into a cockroach. But Michael is far more terrifying. His kills aren't showy, nor the most entertaining. Uh, they are primal. His kills resemble those of the most disturbed and remorseless serial killers in history. His kills are kills that sadly happen every day in modern America. Uh, his kills are real. I love Jason and Freddy, but I'm legit scared of Michael. From the score, which I'd argue is the most memorable in the history of cinema, not just horror cinema, um, to the lingering shots filling the audience with a sense of unease and dread, 1978's Halloween is and will always be a top 10 horror flick. This, for me, also received a solid A. This is one of the first of its kind, and it kicked off probably the best run of horror characters that we will ever see in film history, as Joey just took a hot take on Freddy Krueger. Once you get past the iconic mask and legendary soundtrack, the acting in this film is underrated, also, hot take the joy there. And the story is airtight. A fantastic watch and definitely a great way to kick off the Halloween season. Alright, let me pop in here. This is going to be probably relatively dull. I'll go ahead and tell you, this is an A+. 
to me, this is quintessential horror. The mask, the myth, the music. One of the most successful films, regardless of genre, ever made. It's a stable of my yearly October rotation, so I have gazed at these 90 minutes of moving pictures more than I dare to count in my lifetime. And with that being said, this entry is still fresh, and obviously, franchise is still chugging along. And of the major franchises, I feel like this is the only one to transition into the reboot world and keep its staying power, which is a pretty telling fact. I do root for those other franchises to succeed, but I will always extend the favoritism for my first love, my first fear, Mr. Michael Myers. Well, that was a beautiful love letter. Alrighty, with uh, the wonderful Halloween behind us, let's recap our Just for Shits and Giggles guesses on the Rotten Tomatoes audience fan scores here. Let's see, I'll go with the high guy first. Mr. Hootie went with a 93, and Joseph with an 86. Myself, I said an 82, just because I don't trust uh, people in general. The actual audience score for Halloween was an 89. It's right there in the middle of the two other professors here. Joy would have been within three, but yeah, we use, luckily for uh, us. We use the Price is Right rules. If you go over, you're fucked. Wonk, wonk, Damn wonk. it. I should have went with the $1. Luckily yeah. for us, uh, this that didn't count, so Joseph will we'll not be watching Troll 1. <laughs> it's not called Troll. It's called Troll 1. <laughs> <laughs> if you folks remember back to our previous guesses for evil dead 2 your boy did hit it on the mark there so i am in charge of choosing our next film here i I feel like we've been through some pretty prestigious films evil dead 2 halloween both of these are right around the a mark obviously we all graded it on a pretty high curve so with that in mind and with us still do session nine good scream with that in mind us still in the autumn season for fear that we might not be able to choose our next film after this one I'm going to go ahead and knock out something I've never seen before. Might not be quite on the same level of these two, but we're going to find out. It's a film called Thanks Killing. (laughs) (laughs) I have never seen a horror Thanksgiving film, so for fear that we might miss out, I think we need to rectify that, that blind spot for the three of us. I don't think I've ever even heard of this film. Oh, you're about to watch the trailer, oh, yeah. buddy. Let's watch the trailer. Let's I'm see. thinking, uh, I'm not sure what year it's from. I'm going to say 2009. 2009's Thanks Killing. Yeah. So if you folks want to play along, we're going to hit the pause button and watch out for this Thanks Killing YouTube trailer. Nice tits, bitch. Yeah, that's uh, that's Thanks Killing. You're welcome. Definitely on Magic Mercy. It looked like it kind of resembled. Rotten Tomato review of this shit. I bet you they. I'm about to fucking find out. Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah, it looks like a sci-fi film as well. (laughs) It it looks like some shit sci-fi would pass on. All right, boys, with that trailer behind us, we want to take a stab, or maybe even let's carve up a piece of a Rotten Tomatoes fan score i'll go ahead and get this this uh party started started off right um i'm gonna say a solid 30 it's gonna be one of those bullshit it's audience gonna, it's gotta be low though it can't be anything over 30 i don't think there was legit a line in the film that said this was devoured by a beak but not any beak a no, turkey beak a That's tur- a fucking the line. nerd guy fucking diagnosing it as a turkey beak <laughs> I'm going with a Rotten Tomatoes score of 21. This looked pretty fucking, uh, pretty crass. I'm going to go with a 15 on this. We're all over the place. We're all over, like, the shit places. I guess I'm a little yeah. optimistic. Yeah, low fucking expected. This might be the worst thing we've watched. Thank you for listening, as always. You can find us on damn near any podcast platform. Check out the socials and whatnot on the website, horriblefilmschool.com. Subscribe and follow to spread that Halloween love. If you can, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That goes a long way. I'm going to use this sign-off.
to offer my support to women that spend their nights babysitting the ungrateful brats of middle-class parents. You keep raising them because no one else is going to. As always, if you listen to this show, please tell at least one person that you know. Spread the love. Spread the campaign. And go out there during this holiday season and have fun, get candy, and watch out for the boogeyman. And I'm out. Uh, Yeah, just to reiterate what the guys said, uh, thanks for the support. We appreciate it, and we really enjoy doing this for you guys. Happy Halloween.